Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie Weissman, the editor in chief of Modern Retail. And this week, I'm really excited. We have Jill Feldman, who is the VP General Manager of Kids Foot Locker. And I'm excited to talk about, well, the entire world of shoes for kids, retail stores, what's going to happen for the, the rest of the year. And also, I want to sort of dig into back to school because I imagine that's uh, something we write about here at Modern Retail, but also something that I'm sure Jill experienced firsthand, just how wonky the last year has been and what this year has been. Jill, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Kale. I'm really excited to be here. I always like to ask people at the beginning, how did you end up at Kids Foot Locker? What is your overall retail background? Sure. So I actually started my career as a CPA. Oh, wow. Um, when, I gradu- I know. when I graduated school, I went to KPMG in Chicago, but I pretty quickly realized that I did not want to be an accountant and definitely not an auditor for the rest of my life. Um, so I'd always worked retail in high school and college, loved serving customers and the products. So I made the move to Crate and Barrel. Um, one of their divisions. It was actually the land of Nod at the time. Now it's just Crate and Kids. And so I actually started my retail career in the kids space. Um, I started as a planner, got into the product side. And then throughout my career, I kind of describe it as having a, a fairly winding path. I've had the opportunity to work in a lot of different functional areas, a, a number of different companies. So I've done a couple different stints at um, major department stores, Macy's and Penny's, both in marketing roles. And then I spent what I'd call some pretty formative years, about 12 years at Famous Footwear and buying roles, marketing roles, e-commerce. Um, and then I actually just started at um, Foot Locker about six months ago um, in this role of general manager, Kids Foot Locker, which is you know, really a great blending of all these different functional experiences that I've had over the years um, to really lead this brand. Yeah, that seems like you've done many different things in many different sectors of retail and does sort of interestingly coalesce uh, with the kids brand of Foot Locker, which is fascinating. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you joined six months ago. What what was sort of your mandate or your major goals for when you joined the company? Well, like what were what were the things that were the lowest hanging fruit that you're like, all right, we need to focus on this? Yeah, so I'd say that I did have a, a big mandate that was beyond just the low-hanging fruit that maybe I'll start with. And we're having huge momentum in the kids space. It's one of the fastest growing banners in all of Foot Locker. And so I, we have a belief that we can um, take Kids Foot Locker to actually be a billion-dollar brand in the next few years. So I've really been working on a growth strategy there. Um, really centered around the things that we already do great today, but we just want to amplify. So those really kind of come down to, I'd say, three main things. Um, we have a really premium portfolio of products and brands. Um, we have great experiences for kids in our stores. Um, and then also we're really a part of communities, and that's um, one of our key pillars. And so our growth strategy really revolves around taking all three of those things, I'd say, to the next level. Aim is to be a billion-dollar brand around where is it now? Um, yeah, so, um, you know, that would be some pretty significant growth. Just so, you know, <laughs> so not quite doubling the brand. Uh, we're a little ahead of there right now. But um, we have had really big momentum recently. So it's, it's pretty big growth. I want to talk more about those three pillars. Specifically, you talked about experiential, which makes a ton of sense for uh, a kids-focused brand. But also, the last year specifically has sort of made for a melding of online and in-store, figuring out when people are going to shop in-store. So can you just go into sort of what the kids' footlocker, like brick-and-mortar retail strategy is? Like, do you, like how, how have you seen sales shift in terms of people ordering online based on in-store, all, all that jazz? 
Yeah, so certainly like most retailers, we have seen a shift to online sales, but there is something really special about the shopping experience you get at a kid's footlocker. And also for our customers, our customers love sneakers. So they're, they really are. The parents tend to be sneaker heads and they have, we have a young generation of sneaker heads as well. And so there is something about touching and feeling and seeing the product and for kids trying it on that you just can't get from an online experience. And so one of the things I think that really stands out about our experience is the fact that we are 100% dedicated to kids, which is somewhat unique in our space. And so our associates, we, you know, this, we hire associates and train them to make sure that they're really good, not with just, not just with the parents, but also with kids. You know, not everybody can connect with kids. Um, and so that's something really special about our stores. Um, also the fact that our assortment is only dedicated to kids through both footwear and apparel. It makes for a much easier shopping experience for families. Um, and then we're doing some really interesting things. You know, you asked about what were some of the low hanging fruit, what was some of the low hanging fruit uh, when I came in? And I feel like we weren't really taking advantage of this fact that we're 100% dedicated to kids. So already just in the last few months, we've been testing um, some new experiences in stores. And it's really just a handful of stores at this point. But it's really um, easy things like hopscotch on the floor, a, lar a really large tic-tac-toe, um, a creativity corner where kids can color and engage with, you know, the parents and the associates. Um, we've sent stickers to the store, which you would be amazed at how much feedback we get about kids just loving the stickers. I probably shouldn't be so amazed because I have kids <laughs> of my own and they love stickers. Um, but it's finding different ways. These aren't really expensive you know, um, ways to enhance the stores, but I think it's making a big impact and we see a lot more opportunity with that in the future. That's really fascinating. I want to dig into that more. I feel like a lot of retailers talk about a focus on in-store experiences, experiential. Sometimes it's a buzzword that has sort of gone meaningless, but I feel like a lot of them talk about experiential in terms of a store redesign, such as we're not going to optimize for merchandise or we're not going to optimize so that people, you know, find their items quickly and then can get out. We're going to optimize more so that people feel comfortable and want to stay there and, you know, hang out. Are you, you what you mentioned is, you know, you, you call it low hanging fruit and it's interesting things that you could pretty easily implement. You can draw hopscotch on the floor. You can send, you know, stickers and give them to kids. Are you thinking about redesigning the stores themselves to make them more of a, a hangout space, a place for kids to experience? Or what are your thoughts on that? Well, funny you should ask. Uh, yeah, that is a pretty large project that we're working on right now is really reimagining the future of Kids Foot Locker. So this is certainly a longer term project, but we do have um, some plans for prototyping some new stores actually um, in the future. And that will really be a larger space where we can expand our product assortment and also really expand the experiences. So right now, the ones that I mentioned, you know, they don't take up very much space and they're really pretty low budget, which is great for a test. But we're really exploring what's possible to really blend interactive and immersive play throughout the product experience as well. Um, so, you know, we are looking at taking that at the to the next level. And um, these concept stores that we're talking about, we also really see them being a place for the local community um, to come. So this is really coming from the success that Foot Locker has seen from what we call community doors. And Kids Foot Locker is a part of those. Um, and those are really serving as a place for, you know, the community of um, local sneakerheads to come and congregate. We've noticed that Kids like to do their studying there because it's a safe place. People plug in their iPhones and get a charge before they go on with their day. And so seeing the success and the popularity of those 
community stores from the adult banner, you know, has led us to believe that there's a real opportunity um, to, you know, customize this from a kid's perspective and, you know, really focusing on the importance of play and especially that multi-generational, like parents wanting to interact with their kids um, and having an opportunity to do that in our stores. Absolutely. I want to dig into that more. Uh, And I have this question written down and I'm figuring out how best to ask it, but it's like, uh, the sneaker culture has been around for a really long time. And like, I remember growing up that even before like Supreme existed, there were lines out the door for Foot Lockers specifically when like a new pair of sure. like Air Jordans would drop or something like that. I don't know sneakers, so that might not have been correct, but anyway. No, um, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I wanted to talk about what you're seeing in terms of the sneakerhead culture translating to kids. Because you said, you know, parents are sneakerheads and their kids are interested in that. And I feel like there are a lot of platforms now, a lot of companies that are like, tapping into that sort of adult collectible zeitgeist and I and how are you like how do you approach that from the kids standpoint is it just making the kids footlocker you know have the right brands and also be a community space so that they can study or are you doing anything that sort of taps into these sort of drop like things the 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 sort of higher echelon essence of of sneakers that people really like right now well I think the answer is yes we're really kind of doing all of those (laughs) things so there is, even in the kids' space, there there are those premium launches and drops, which Kids Foot Locker, because we really are a premium destination for sneakers, we have great access to that product. So that high heat um, energy product that we kind of call it, you know, back in the day, people would stand in line. Now they use our launch reservation app. So it's all kind of happens digitally behind the scenes. Um, so that's very much a part of even the kids' business. Um, interestingly enough, it's not just an adult piece. Um, so there's that for sure. And, you know, beyond kind of the energy and the heat that our brands bring, we have um, a whole team within Foot Locker who really works on what we call energy and concepts. And so really bringing exclusivity to Foot Locker and kids Foot Locker. Um, and they're coming up with amazing collaborations between, you know, whether it's a, a food brand or whether it's um, sometimes toy brands or other things. Um, and we're really finding a lot of success in customizing that for kids. Um, so last holiday, we had a really popular collaboration with Puma and LOL Surprise Dolls. You know, that doesn't seem like, oh, is that fit with sneaker culture? But it, it definitely did. You know, we got a ton of new customers in from that. And so I think um, there is a lot of, um, you know, energy in the kids market as well. And definitely, you know, you mentioned kind of those sneakerhead parents. We actually kind of refer to that segment internally as the heritage keepers, right? <laughs> so it's these parents who, like you mentioned, you know, they they grew up with sneakers being a really an important part of their DNA. And so their kids have kind of grown up with it as well. And parents are passing along that love for sneakers to their kids. Um, and that's, I think, where, you know, a store that's really dedicated to sneaker culture for kids, like Kids Foot Locker, that's kind of like the epicenter of what we're doing. All right, we're going to take a quick break right now. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. You mentioned earlier that the kids segment in general has been a huge area of growth. Can you just give a little bit more color to that? Uh, I, I, I would love to hear specifically because back to school just sort of finished off. And I was reading recent earnings that, you know, kids back to school is back, at least for the sh- shoe market for you guys. But like, what have you seen? How, how, why do you think kids, kids, 
is, is such an area of growth right now. And was like, what did you see last year in 2020 specifically with back to school? Because I'd love to just see the comparisons of those two. Yeah. So I'll start with 2020 because that was a really tough year uh, in general, of course. Um, and there was so much uncertainty with back to school. Many kids never returned to the classrooms. And even the kids who did return to the classrooms, it was often delayed by three or four weeks and kind of on again, off again. So it felt very much in the industry like we didn't even have a back to school last year. Really, a lot of those sales kind of shifted into the fall. Um, so this year very much felt much more like a normal back to school, much more like a 2019, 2018, um, where you did see the typical um, peaks in the business that you would expect. So, you know, it varies by every individual market, but the, the weekend before kids are going back to school, you know, generally should be your highest volume weekend. Um, and that's certainly what we saw. I, I think, interestingly, this year, we've seen a little bit of a longer tail, I guess, though. It does feel like maybe it's that there's still some uncertainty surrounding back to school with COVID going on. Um, or maybe it's some of the adoption of really this buy now, wear now um, mentality. But we have seen um, that back to school peak extend a little bit. So we're seeing people shopping in those particular markets, not just the weekend before, the week before, but we're seeing a pretty nice um, shopping trend in the week after and the two weeks after. So um, that's a little bit different than what we saw in years before 2020. Interesting. And are you seeing, like, what do you think is also driving the overall, as a whole, more momentum in the kids segment these days? Yeah, so we do have great uh, momentum around the business, as you mentioned. Um, and, you know, I think there's um, a couple things. I think that during this time right now, people really do want to be able to spend on their kids. So I think as parents, you want to make sure your kids are really well taken care of. And that might mean making sure that they've got, you know, the apparel and the footwear that they really love. Um, so we, we've kind of seen that throughout the pandemic, actually, is a, a pretty big you know, spending on kids. Um, and then I think in particular, though, for our business, there is huge momentum around sneaker culture, um, really driven by a lot of like basketball inspired styles. You know, the last dance came out during the pandemic and really we've saw, seen a resurgence in Jordans. Um, but it, it, it's beyond that kind of basketball inspired. I think the other really big trend that's driving it, especially in our business, is just this casualization. So during the pandemic, you know, kids have always liked to be comfortable, right? And I think we've seen casualization as a trend happening for many years before the pandemic, but it really cemented itself. People got very used to wearing their, you know, comfy, cozy um, sweats and slippers throughout the day. And so now, even as people are reemerging into the world, they still want that sense of comfort. Um, they just want it to be more stylish. And the categories that we sell fit right into that sweet spot of both style and comfort because we sell active apparel, um, you know, and sneakers, which you can wear everywhere. So I think that's another big um, piece of why we're seeing so much momentum right now in the kids space. That's so fascinating because I, I feel like you know, we've written and I feel like every other retail publication ever has written how activewear and athleisure is where all the other companies are pivoting to. But you think of that in terms of adults, you don't really think of that in terms of kids, but it makes sense mm -hmm. that, you know, like kids, kids are wearing sneakers, you know, they, they, that, that, that would necessarily go, go down to the, the other generation too. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think, um, a long time ago, back to school shoes, like if a, if a child had to wear a uniform, then they might be buying a pair of Mary Janes or a pair of, um, loafers or something with that. And that's just not really the case anymore. I mean, kids are buying a pair of Air Force Ones to wear with their uniform. And so whether it's, you know, that they have to dress in a certain way or that they get to pick their own kind of uniform, we always say there's like this 
uniform for kids right now, an unofficial uniform for kids right now of shorts and tees and a hoodie. Um, and so, you know, interestingly, we've been seeing a category like fleece trend all throughout the summertime. And that's definitely speaks to that comfort and casualization trend. Um, I want to talk about how how you work with brands. You mentioned um, the Puma and LOL doll thing, which I think is really, really interesting. I feel like there's been a big move specifically with brands and retailers to, to, to like do more collaborations, do more work together and do sort of unexpected things. And also in terms of areas that might, you know, sort of segments that might not necessarily have been big before. Like I'm always, I'm so fascinated with how Crocs these days has just exploded, but um, I'd love to hear just sort of how you specifically, like as the lead of this kid's footwear retailer are like when you talk with brands, what you're looking for, like how you figure out what a good brand collaboration would be just all that. What, What are you thinking about now in terms of what works? Yeah, so I think it comes down to that intersection of what kids are really passionate about um, and then also something that feels true to that brand's DNA. Um, and so, yeah, it is really interesting that there there is so much, um, you know, even beyond just the sneaker world, but around collaborations, and it's especially important in sneakers. Um, but, you know, for instance, with Crocs, because you mentioned Crocs, um, we did a great collaboration um, earlier um, actually for back to school um, with Ron English, it was a whole party animals pack with um, with Crocs. And I think what worked really well there was not just kind of the cultural relevance, but also the styles themselves were really trend right. So they were animal prints and fun, bright colors. And so it kind of took this, the popularity of Crocs, which is all about individuality and comfort and brought in a trend element of um, animal print and color, and then also had the cultural relevance as well. So, and that, that's kind of the sweet spot when you can check multiple boxes. That's how we know it's probably going to be pretty successful. So what are you seeing in terms of like retail trends for stores? I know that Foot Locker as a parent company has been focusing a little bit more with off-mall locations. Is that the same for kids Foot Locker? When you're thinking of new locations or even existing locations, what are you focusing on in terms of where they are and how they're resonating with your customers? Yeah, so we do still see a place for malls in our portfolio. Um, I think that malls are a place where people come and hopefully more and more for the entertainment aspect of it. So I, I think that will continue to be an important part of our strategy. But you're right that we have been focusing on an off-mall pivot as well, just to really balance out our portfolio. And I think that what's important about those off-mall locations is that we're finding ways to really become embedded in the neighborhoods where our customers live. So you know, we're not going into necessarily the high streets or something. We're we're going right where our customers live and work every single day. And that allows us to be much better connected with the community. So we've seen some really good early results from some of these on-mall to off-mall pivots. Um, what we're finding is that Foot Locker has such a draw on its own that we can bring that traffic along with us from the mall. And so for kids' Foot Locker, you'll notice that often we have very close adjacency to a Foot Locker, which is by design, because really there's, you know, the benefit of the, the parents or the teenagers being able to shop at a Foot Locker and then come next door to a kid's footlocker. And so that's another really important part of our strategy as well. There's great synergy between our two, two between our two brands. So let's talk about the the year to come. I, back to school, I imagine, is a huge season for, for you guys specifically. What are you thinking about in terms of, A, how you're approaching promotions for, you know, the holidays or just the next three-ish months? What are you seeing? Do you think it's going to be different than 2019, 2018? How are you thinking about just sort of how you're going to end the year, you know, strategy-wise? 
Yeah, I think a couple of things. Um, you mentioned the promotions and generally across retail and certainly in the sneaker space, we've seen a lot much fewer promotions than what we've ever seen in the past. And certainly in our business, we run very few promotions. Um, we're primarily a full price business, um, but you're seeing um, quite a few other retailers follow suit as well. And so while I think there probably will be some pickup in the level of promotions in the holiday season, because consumers kind of expect that, I don't think it will be anywhere near what we've seen in past years. Um, you know, I also think that you know, last year, um, holiday really started, it felt like before Halloween <laughs> for retailers. It was one of the earliest holiday starts. And while I don't know that retailers really need to be putting up their Christmas trees before Halloween's even done, I do think that because of some of the challenges around supply chain, I think customers understand that if they see a product that they really like, that they'd better buy it now because it may not be there later. And so I think that's probably going to be one of the biggest impacts um, in the holiday shopping season is I, I do think consumers are learning that they'll need to shop early. Um, and that as soon as that, you know, really desirable product comes in, that it might be gone just like that. So I think that that is, um, you know, we're, we're managing through making sure that we always have a great selection for holiday of, you know, both givable and gettable kind of footwear and apparel. Um, and then kind of balancing it out with some of that high heat to energy launch product that I mentioned before. So with the supply chain, how are you specifically dealing with that? Are you having to do a bunch of orders before? Are you talking with brands? It seems like everybody is impacted no matter what. So how are you thinking about this specifically? Yeah, it is definitely a challenge in our industry right now um, and potentially an increasing um, challenge. But I think for our company, we have a really strong pipeline of product coming. Um, I would say that our buying teams are on the aggressive side. And so, you know, they really like overbought to our plans in the first part of the year. We also oversold to our plans. So we probably didn't make up quite as much ground as we wanted to. But, you know, we've really been aggressive in making sure that we're going to have product from a diverse set of brands that's really desirable to make sure we can serve our customers. Um, so, you know, a, a big a big piece of that for us has just been those partnerships um, with multiple brands. And when we find out there might be receipt challenges coming out of one factory, trying to pivot and see how we can make that up from another factory or potentially even another brand. Um, and because there is so much momentum in the category right now, and it, it's, it's fairly diverse momentum from basketball inspired to running inspired to seasonal, there's a lot of places to kind of pivot um, is what we're finding. So, but it, it certainly is going to be a challenge. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned earlier that Kids Foot Locker is a growth brand. You're working towards making it a billion dollar brand. What are you like for 2022? What are you focusing on? Are you going to be opening more locations? Sort of what are the big, you know, temple goals that you're going to be focusing on to try and continue adding, you know, adding ignition to the fire, adding accelerant to the fire? <laughs> sure. Um, so, you know, I think that we have a really strong base of customers and a really loyal base of customers as well. But I, I think there's a real opportunity to even expand our reach um, with Kids Foot Locker because we really do, I think probably, I, I know I'm biased, but have really the best assortment of footwear and apparel for kids. And so I think there's a real opportunity um, you know, just to expand our reach um, and bring new consumers into our brand, as well as find new ways to serve our existing customers. I mentioned um, some of the success we're having in seasonal product that really complements some of our sneakers. And so I think that that'll be really an important piece of our strategy. Um, you know, and we, we've also seen, um, we've been talking a little bit about the stores, but you know, we, we actually are planning on expanding our store base, which I know is a little bit unusual in retail right now, but 
because there is something really special about that in-store experience um, and that opportunity for parents and kids to really use shopping as kind of a bonding experience and a pastime, there's just so much power in our stores. Um, but at the same time, there are a lot of customers who are certainly um, either exclusively shopping on their phones or it's really influencing all parts of the customer journey. And so we'll be continuing to evolve our customer journey and just make it as seamless as possible um, really to give access, the most access possible to kids and parents for the, that product that they want. Got it. I have just one more question just to sort of follow up on that, um, which is you're thinking about opening up new locations. How do you go about choosing the location you want to go and specifically with such a big brand that's, you know, all around the country? How do you figure out, you know, this is this is where we should be right now? Yeah, so we have a... Um, a really strong, what we call market planning team, actually, at Foot Locker. Um, and Foot Locker, because we have thousands of stores globally, um, they have quite a bit of data and quite a bit of knowledge on this. So it's really, uh, it comes from both using the data and then as well as having local market experts who are really on the ground, who understand um, what certain neighborhoods are like, where our customer is shopping. And we really bring together those two sources um, to have these conversations about where are we going next. So, you know, we do have a focus on large metropolitan areas for sure, um, where, you know, there's a lot of population density, strong customer base, um, but then making sure even within those cities that we've got the right street, the right neighborhood, the right location. Um, and so that's where we really trust our, what we kind of call our geo team members um, who are really bringing that intel to us and saying like, yep, we know that this is the right corner for a footlocker and a kid's footlocker. Um, just to make sure that we're really using our capital wisely. Got it. Well, Jill, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and send this podcast over to a friend who you know would enjoy it. See you next week.